Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. Over to college football. ASU starting to build something. We'll see what it is. I think a lot of people are finally encouraged about what's going on over in Tempe. Chris Cartman of SunDevilSource.com joining us on the Arizona Sports Line right now. Uh, Chris, thank you for the time. And uh, I guess let's just start here with a somewhat vague question, but I think it's worth asking. You're around this team a lot. And I know they're not playing right now, but how different does the vibe feel around the program in Tempe now as opposed to even like two months ago? Yeah, it's quite a difference. Um, I think you have just a bunch of mixed sort of emotions. You have players who feel like they were kind of maybe let down by what happened over the last year, year and a half or so. Some guys were disgruntled felt like um, there were some frustrations that have been expressed, guys liking and retweeting things that were kind of um, negative commentary uh, on the, the, the previous staff. But then you also at the same time have a flood of interest and excitement about what some of the new coaches will, will bring, I think especially on the offensive side. Um, understanding Kenny Dillingham's background and what Bo Baldwin did and a couple of these other assistant coaches that they've added more recently and the conversation being around um, attacking, being uh, fast-paced, up-tempo. Um, I've actually had a, a couple players reach out to me unprompted to tell me that they're kind of excited. And maybe one of the biggest positives for ASU in that regard is when the transfer portal opened up yesterday, there were some big names that were not in the portal for, from ASU, especially Elijah Badger, Jalen Conyers, um, Ben Scott, and uh, Trenton Bourget. So I think they are really sort of engaged on what the future might look, especially on the offensive side, and there's some intrigue. Chris, for the record, um, did you were you in favor of the Kenny Dillingham hire? I thought um, definitely it was better higher than the last several at ASU. Um, was it a home run? That's, I, I wouldn't go that far just because he has never been a head coach and he was his first year as a play caller. But I think it was a good hire primarily because what he has that the previous coaches did not have was a local course knowledge, you know, the, the being at ASU, growing up in Scottsdale, understanding the challenges that have kept ASU from being successful in the past and how those things have basically been intractable over the last couple of decades. Those are things he's not learning as he's going. And I think Herm Edwards, Todd Graham, Bennett Erickson, they either figured out things after some years on the job and it was too late or, or they never figured out some things that they needed, especially as it relates to local recruiting, uh, the importance of building a staff that's uh, comprised to recruit the region uh, where ASU's best teams have been most successful with recruiting and and the players that they've got out of the state and and then California primarily. Um, And then also understanding all the opponents in the, in the conference, the type of, of schemes that are being played, how you need to assemble your roster and uh, install your schemes in order to be able to be successful. Dillingham checks all those boxes. I would say the last four coaches over the 20 years or so 
that ASU's had before that, maybe at most they've checked like one of those boxes. So that, I think, puts ASU uh, much further along with Dillingham, despite the fact that he's the youngest coach in the country mm. and uh, one of the least experienced. Talking to Chris Cartman, publisher of SunDevilSource.com. Uh, Chris, one of the things, if you just go big picture, it's just good to see the program start to take steps forward and not just be hanging out in football purgatory like it feels like they were for the last you know, year and a half, two years. Is, is the sense just kind of like the NCAA may take forever with this? We have to just start moving forward now? Yeah, that NCAA is just notoriously so slow. Um, you know, you keep hearing movement backward of when there's going to be some resolution on this. And that makes it kind of tough to predict when it actually might happen. I'm, I am very confident that it will be within, within the next six to eight months. Um, you know, can't say for sure, but um, there's going to be some, some challenges. They, they're going to have, and they already have uh, self-imposed some recruiting restrictions uh, this year um, that they know that they're going to extend and have to in terms of the, the, how much contact they have with recruits, uh, how many days their coaches spend on the road recruiting, the number of official visitors that they have on their campus, uh, and, even so, and even scholarship uh, restrictions. I, I don't know that that's going to hurt them significantly um, when so many of the additions that they're going to get are via the transfer portal. That's largely how Dillingham's going to build his roster. I would say an overwhelming number, more than two thirds, maybe even three quarters of all their new players are, are going to be from the transfer portal. Uh, a bunch of them will, will, will join uh, within the next several weeks um, before the portal closes um, in the third week of January, I think. And then there'll be another run on those guys that will take place following the conclusion of spring ball, um, like in April, May. So, uh, and and there's going to be more of that than we've ever seen, not just at ASU, but around the country. It's already happening. Who are some of the most significant Sun Devils that are going to enter the transfer portal and are in the transfer portal for the Sun Devils? Who are those guys? Right. So there's about five of them um, so far. Ladarius Henderson is leaving ASU to go to Michigan. Uh, it took one day for him, ASU's top offensive lineman who missed the second half of the season with a finger injury. One day for him to go from ASU to Michigan. Uh, Joe Moore is a starting defensive end, uh, who was one of ASU's top pass rushers. He's in the portal. Omar Norman Lott was a starting three technique tackle before he kind of had some injury issues and other things that uh, made for somewhat of a disappointing season. Uh, He's in the portal. Um, So it's really more of their, their, more of their defensive players, I think have been impacted. The Darius Henderson is the the biggest one. Um, But as I said, there's some, some key guys that, that, that aren't in the portal and they're sort of taking a wait and see approach. Talking to Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source. Uh, Chris, this past season, three and nine, I cannot remember a worse season for the program, especially considering all the stuff that was, you know, peripheral to just the record. Uh, I I guess two part question, was this sort of the low point that you've covered with the program? And then the second part, how quickly is Kenny Dillingham's vision realistically going to be able to turn things around? Yeah, I would say it was the low point. Um, People will remember that Todd Graham had really bad defenses in like 2016, give or take a year that over a two year stretch, they were really quite, quite bad, but uh, they weren't as bad on offense and they weren't as bad in recruiting. I think 
the their the overall dramatic drop off that ASU went through as a result of the the NCAA investigation, all of their staff um, departures, resignations, um, firings, and it, it basically. Um, an 18-month period where there was almost no recruiting. The only time ever since uh, they've had services uh, that cover recruiting on the internet that they ha- that they d- didn't get a four-star recruit for over a period of a year. Um, that that puts you really behind the eight ball uh, with, with what you're trying to do moving forward. The roster went from having eight NFL combine invites more than anybody in the Pac-12, probably being as talented as any in the Pac-12 to not being probably a top half of the conference um, in, in talent. And I think the coaching was quite poor as well. Uh, and that's, that's almost to be expected when Antonio Pierce and Zach Hill left their posts in February and almost all coaches that, are, that are, have a lot of value in the marketplace uh, have already made their decisions on their next jobs by December or, or at the latest, maybe January. So, uh, the staff, I've, I've said this pretty consistently, even even early in the season, there were some perplexing ways that they utilized their personnel that was different than what guys were seemingly best suited for. You look at Roe Torrance, Tark Luckett, they have athletic safeties, Chris Edmonds, Corey Bethley, and they were playing a bunch of relaxed zone coverages. They have guys up front that are built to, to uh, pressure, and they were not blitzing, and they were basically going straight ahead, uh, it was a it was a very predictable uh, style on defense that teams were able to exploit, and then offensively, um, they just didn't really uh, open up the throttle nearly early enough with their passing attack. Uh, I think they were slow with their quarterback situation, and uh, they didn't get their tight ends and running backs nearly involved in the passing game as early as I think it was pretty obvious that they should have. Well, Chris, we appreciate the time as always, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Chris. Sounds great. Thanks, guys.